This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. MyMac Podcast number 333, day two of the Mac World Expo. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Hey everyone, Tim Robertson, host of Tech Fan, and for at least this episode, the MyMac.com podcast. Yeah, I know you guys were expecting Guy, but Guy is MIA. It happens sometimes at the Macworld Expo. You start having such a good time, uh, you lose track of time, and I, I, to be honest, I don't know where Guy is. Last I heard from Guy, um, at the end of the day today, during the Macworld Expo, Guy was going to go to um, Allison Sheridan's party. And, and Allison, of course, was on the MyMac.com podcast with uh, Gaz and Guy a couple weeks ago. And uh, she does the NoSillaCast podcast. And he was going to go to her after hours Macworld party. And I haven't been able to find him since. He's not answering his, his texts. So I'm not sure what happened to Guy, but the show must go on. Uh, we promised you guys a MyMac.com podcast uh, today. Here's the thing, though. As I'm recording the podcast, the MyMac.com website is actually down. Turns out, and it's really great that they do this without, you know, letting their customers know, but uh, our, our host, Dream Hosters, decided to take the entire site down, a couple million websites, for some planned upgrades, and uh, unfortunately, right in the middle of the Macworld Expo, uh, at least for a couple hours, it looks like, um, it's the longest 15 minutes I've ever seen. It's been like two hours now. The site's still down. Um, so hopefully by the time, well, obviously we, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be back up because I can't post this podcast without you know the site being up. Uh, but, you know, it, these things happen. It's down right now. And since, uh, you know, it's getting very long in the tooth time-wise, it's, it's coming up on 11.30 uh, p.m. Pacific time, which, let's see, 11, 12, 1. Yeah, my body thinks it's closer to 2.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when I would usually be fast asleep. But it's not to be tonight. Staying up late, just like I did last night, getting a lot of stuff posted up on the site, but yeah, the site's down, so what are you going to do? We've got some really great content so far up concerning the Macworld Expo this year. I've been looking around a lot of the other Mac sites, and I'm not seeing a ton of coverage, and I'm I'm really kind of disappointed. I will say, though, uh, Tua, the unofficial Apple weblog, really good stuff that they're posting up there. The Macworld Magazine site, they've got some pretty good content, too, but there's not as much content concerning the Macworld Expo this year. And I think that it's a huge shame. And let me tell you why. This year, quite honestly, today was day two, extremely busy. I mean, there was aisles that I literally could not walk down. Could not walk down them even if I wanted to. And I did want to. Because there's some great products that I'm seeing on the showroom floor. Um, HP comes to mind. And uh, Dr. Bot and OWC and really, really cool stuff. And there's a lot of people here in San Francisco at the Moscone Center West looking at this great stuff. 
and getting in my way. Get out of the way, people. I got to look at stuff. I got to report on it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it's really great to see so many people turning out for the Macworld Expo. Remember, Apple is, has absolutely no involvement with the Macworld Expo at all. And all these people are still coming out. There's not a lot that you can actually buy on the showroom floor. It's really not surprising. That practice of buying stuff at Macworld kind of went out of vogue about, I'm going to say, four, four years ago. Four years ago was the last time you could really buy a lot of stuff. If you wanted a, a G4 processor upgrade, go to Macworld Expo, you can buy one. Um, there was times that uh, at my old haunt, the stomping ground maybe, I don't know however you want to put it, when I was at OWC, um, before I was there, when you would come to the Macworld Expo, OWC used to sell all kinds of stuff out of their booth. I mean, it was just swamped. And they would actually do memory upgrades on your laptop right there, right in front of you. Uh, you don't see that anymore from anybody. Nobody does that. Somebody told me it's tax laws that if you sell products at the Macworld Expo, you have to give, you have to pay taxes to California for the entire year. And I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I was told. If so... It's probably not a... I understand why they do it tax-wise, but it really doesn't encourage people to do business in California if you're not based in California. So, like I said, Guy's not here. Um, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, uh, he, he turns up. <laughs> I, I was hoping that, you know, the, this episode of the MyMac Podcast would be more him than me. Um but I, I just hope he's having a great time, and I'm having a great time, and I hope you guys are having a great time listening to all the content. I know Guy recorded quite a bit on the showroom floor today, but I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have that content to share with you guys today. Thankfully, today I was actually hanging around with Owen Rubin most of the day of MyMac.com fame, and Owen really stepped up to the plate. He was doing a lot of the in-booth interviews with companies that I was usually doing myself, since I had Owen with me, I was putting him on the mic. And I think he does a fantastic job with these interviews. He gets to the point, he's extremely smart, um, he knows the products, uh, and if he doesn't, he asks the really good questions. So a lot of the stuff you're going to hear on this episode was recorded by Owen, I was there. I, there's a couple of segments that I did, but uh, most of this is going to be Owen Rubin recording on the floor of the Macworld Mac Expo. You know what I just realized? 12 hours ago, I was having lunch. <laughs> I've been up a long time. Let me just put it that way. So with that, I'm going to wrap this segment. It's going to be a shorter podcast, obviously, because I only have the stuff that uh, we recorded, Owen and I today, plus what I'm recording now and when I close the show. So this is going to be a much shorter show than I was planning on. I know Guy probably had at least probably four segments, I would imagine. Um, we're just going to have to hold whatever it is that Guy recorded on day two and put it on the show for day three. Uh, unfortunately, Owen is gone after today. Um, so I'm, I'm going to miss not seeing him tomorrow. Mark Rudd's been here at the show with us of MyMac taking pictures. I've got a whole bunch of pictures from Mark and Owen to post up on the site. They would be up there right now, but of course, like I said, the MyMac.com website is down. It's not that I didn't pay the bills. I did pay the bills, trust me. Um, just scheduled maintenance, and that happens sometimes. So what are you going to do? So um, at the end of here, uh, end of this podcast, 
please go listen to Tech Fan number 17. It's kind of the continuation of this episode's, my, it's day two, part two, and that's Tech Fan number 17. That was recorded here in uh, my hotel room. It's kind of funny, I'm doing the MyMac podcast right now. This is going to come out first, and then Tech Fan, but Tech Fan technically was recorded earlier, except the segments here on the MyMac podcast was recorded during the day. It's very confusing after a while, let me tell you. So thanks for listening. Uh, Check out these segments, and I'll be back at the end of the show with some contact information. Hi, Owen, standing here in front of iStreamer, and we're standing with Michael Hobson. Um, They're an L.A. company that has some interesting audio products. Tell us about it. Well, we're very excited to be here, and we're showing at Macworld for the first time a product that uh, has already gotten a lot of acclaim. It's called iStreamer. And uh, it's from HRT, which is High Resolution Technologies. We're based in Los Angeles. And iStreamer is the first of its kind. It is an external D2A converter that works with iDevices, iPad, iPhone, iPod. And you plug the iStreamer in, and the iStreamer gets the digital data from the iDevice and does the digital-to-analog conversion outside the box. Okay, so we got guys at back home going uh, D to A, I to I, what, what? So, like right now, typical guy plugs his his Sony speakers into the top of his iPod and plays them. So I'm, they're going, why? Why do I care? So, not going too technical, but tell me, why do I care? Why? What? What are you doing that I can't just do already? Well, you know, we have this saying at uh, High Resolution Technologies, and that is that everyone deserves great sound, and an iDevice is a great music server. And our product with an iDevice makes it a great sounding music server. The issue is by doing DDA conversion, which is already being done inside the iDevice without our device, but only being done what we would consider to be adequately, maybe good enough for earbuds. But when you do it outside the, the box, you can have much better quality. So you can have convenience and quality at the same time. Very good. I mean, people can't hear it. There's some uh, speakers sitting here playing some excellent music, and it really sounds great. Uh, so tell me how much this device costs and where our, our listeners can go get more information about it. Well, it's uh, available through a number of online locations, Apple resellers, and uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.highrestech.com, for more information. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. So I'm at the parent booth at the Macworld Expo. Mac software at Macworld Expo, who would have thunk? Now, they've got four different pieces of software, but we're going to talk about two of them today. We're going to start with Blast, your files at your fingertips. Jacob is the founder of Apparent Software. Jacob, tell me about Blast software. What is it? Why do our listeners want to buy it? Okay, so Blast is a productivity booster application. If you work a lot with the files and you don't know where to put them and where to save them, like, for example, you worked in Excel and just saved it and you don't know where it is and how it was named, you can just find it in the menu bar. So Blast is a menu bar application, which you, which you just go and you see your files in the reverse chronological order. So the most recent files will be just on top. You see the preview. You can open them, show them in Finder. You can open them with other applications, move them, drag them to Word, to HA, to anything. Hard drives are so large now. I lose files all the time. This sounds like something that would really help me keep track of where stuff is. Yeah, indeed. For me, it was like a time saver. It's a real time saver. So if does this also keep track of like downloaded files? Because sometimes I download something and then forget about it. I'll go see this in the menu. Yes, yeah. So it's it's not only what you open, like for example, like like what the find for Finder does. It's only what you save. 
even if you save like in a, in a different locations. And now, Jacob, I have a lot of different social network places that I go to. And I'm clicking through tabs. I'm opening different websites. You've got software, Socialite. That sounds like it's a lot of benefit to me. Right. So we've recently acquired Socialite from Real Mac Software. It's a great application if you use multiple accounts. For example, if you use multiple Twitter, Facebook accounts, Google Reader and RSS. So you can all see in one application. You have a global unread. You can see unread status updates from all of your friends from all accounts if you want. But it's a full-featured Twitter client if you want. It's, a full, it's almost full-featured full Facebook client as well. So you can see photos and, and uh, status updates from your friends and reply to them and everything. So it's w basically one interface, one application, and I can keep track of everything. Right. And it's the only Mac application which does that. So at, really, you don't need the browser. You don't need to log out and log in into a different account, which is real like a waste of time. Right. Absolutely. Are your applications in the Mac App Store yet? Yes, all of them in the Mac App Store, all four of them. Let me, let me ask you a question. As a developer, were you worried about it when the Mac App Store was announced? Is, was it exciting for you? And how is it working out so far? I mean, it's still very early days, granted, but how's the Mac App Store working for you as a developer? Okay, so frankly, as, uh, as uh, Steve Jobs announced it, I was both and worried and excited. Uh, but at first, I was mostly worried because we have already like established business and we have a business model which works. Uh, but uh, we still prepared all four applications for the Mac App Store. And we, we had three of them on, on launch. And, and frankly, they, they currently over, like, oversell our direct sales from our side, especially Socialite, because Socialite was also featured like, in a news and noteworthy section. So it has had a lot of downloads. And it's a social application, it's cheap, and it's, it's just a great fit. I, I got to say, I'm gonna get, when I get back home to uh, the home base, Socialite's going to be the next thing I download because it looks fantastic. Where can people go online to learn more about your products? Okay, so our website is apparentsoft.com, like apparentsoft in one word, .com. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you. Hi, it's Thank Owen. You. We're at Zeobit. Um, looking at a very cool product uh, collection of what we got, about 16 uh, things called Mac Keeper, and we're talking to Yuri here. Tell us about it. Hey, Mac Keeper is a pretty unique application, which is, which is a bundle of 16 utilities, uh, all in one application. Normally, buying all of them from our competitors will cost you over $500, when MacKeeper regular price is only 39 bucks. That's a regular price? Yeah, so that's not a show price. That's a regular on a show here at Macworld. For Macworld visitors, we're doing even bigger discounts so they can do, uh, get it twice cheaper. Wow, that's excellent. So why don't you just give us a quick list of what you've got there. I know it's a long list. Uh, yeah, we have uh, some features for security, cleaning, optimization, and extended support. The support is awesome, and we have a fully functional 15 days trial. So you are free to, trial it, uh, to try it for two weeks, and then you can decide whether it fits you or not. Excellent, excellent. And so how do they find out about it? Where do they go to see it? And, and um, is there a website, and can they buy it off the website? Sure, MacKeeper.com. Uh, you can absolutely download MacKeeper now, and you will love it. Okay, very good. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. So this morning I got a really cool email, uh, PR, as you know, anybody in the Mac space has. You, you get the email, and tells you about the new products, tells you about what you should see on the showroom floor. And I got one this morning, and I'll be honest, I'm a little jaded with all the PR that I've get, and I've been getting them for 15 years. Um, but this one was kind of interesting to me from Jaxta. You guys have a piece of software that allow me to capture video 
online to my hard drive. I get these questions all the time. Someone watches something on YouTube and they go, how do I save this so I can show it to my wife later and I don't have to re-download it again? I can't see your name, so you have to turn your badger on. <laughs> okay, Bill, can you tell me a little bit about your technology here today? Yeah, Jax is the first ever streaming media recorder for the Mac, so it'll record videos from YouTube and all the YouTube-like sites, as well as audio and MP3s from various music and radio sites. And it's really simple to use. You just uh, open up Jaxta, then play whatever you want in your browser. Jaxta will save a copy of the file on your hard disk and also convert it to the device format of your choice, whether it's iPad, iPhone, um, Android, that sort of thing. So if I'm watching something on Hulu, for instance... It's a really good television episode that I can't download because Hulu doesn't let me. Your software will allow me to download it and then convert it into a format that I can watch on my iPad. I know technically you're like, no, you're not supposed to do that, but that's what people are going to do, let's be honest. Well, with a site like Hulu, Hulu uh, copy protects the content, so it won't work with Hulu. But 99% of the sites out there, anything that's a YouTube-style site, um, there's you know, thousands of sites that this works really well with. There's maybe 1% of the sites it won't work with, but you can download a free demo at jaxa.com and uh, see for yourself if it works for your content of choice. So I, this is something I'm going to download anyways. I, you guys already sold me before I even came to the booth. I saw and I was like, that's exactly what I'm looking for, how to save YouTube videos for other purposes. Uh, I do a lot of presentations and stuff. It would be perfect. So how much? It's a $49.95, and you can go to jaxa.com. That's J-A-K-S-T-A.com. Is it time limited on the demo? Uh, the demo, you can download 50% of anything. So you can download half of it and uh, just see for yourself that you can download what you want to download and then uh, go ahead and purchase right away, get a registration code, and off you go. Are we going to see this on the Mac App Store? Because I know a lot of developers right now, they're, they're kind of torn. I want to offer it there, but there's restrictions on what we can do. Is the Mac App Store kind of a big thing for you guys, or you just haven't explored it yet? No, we're working on the Mac App Store part of it. There's some things we have to add to the code to make it Mac App Store friendly, but uh, we see a big opportunity there, and uh, it'll be up probably within a couple weeks, hopefully. Now, I'm told that you guys also have some other software. What is that? Uh, that would be the Cosmos side, and I'm going to turn that over to Justin. Justin, come on over, Justin. Talk to me about Cosmo. What's Cosmo? All right, Cosmos, it's a photo and movie manager. However, it's cloud-based. So it's like your iPhoto kind of setup, but it lets you manage that library through your iPad or through your iPhone. Okay. How is this different? So it's, it's cloud-based. How do you manage it on a portable device then? So what happens is you load up into Cosmos and all your photos are stored locally, but then it sends up previews and all the data into our cloud server. And then from that point on, you can connect through our iPad and iPhone app and then fully manage that library from your iPhone or iPad or any number of iPads or iPhones. So it lets you manage your library out on the go, helps you get organized, where people just really aren't interested in sitting at their desk and churning away and getting things organized, and they can never find their photos. So by letting people do it out on the iPad, they can do it while they're waiting for the plane, all those little wasted minutes, they can get things organized so that when they do need to find their stuff, then they'll be able to. Awesome. iPhone, iPad, uh, available to download today. Absolutely. How much? The, uh, the iPad and iPhone apps are free, but Cosmos itself is $40, and... Is that forever or is that yearly? Um, the Cosmos application sells on its own. I guess the cloud sync is an optional extra, and if people want to take that up, that's a $30 a year um, service fee for the cloud sync account. They want to learn more about it. Where do they go online to get some more information? We run out of shedworks.com, so shedworks with an X, and we sell Cosmos and a number of other video management products. Appreciate it, Justin. Thanks a lot. Hi, Owen. Now I'm standing here in the 
the multitude of smaller booths over on the left side of the of the floor with Jeremy Miller from Mind Vision Software. They do some cool things for insta um, for installing software for both developers and consumers. Uh, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, we've been around since uh, 1987, catering to software developers. Uh, you know, they, we have people that create an application and then want to get it easily to their customers and have the customer be able to simply double-click an application that throws that application on their machine quickly and easily. Uh, so we have a lot of built-in features that apply. Uh, so we'll, we'll put your software on the machine, create an alias on the desktop, an item in the dock, anything that you want to uh, show to the user and make it easy for them to install the application. Okay, so I see two different products. Uh, you call that Vice, Vice X, Star Vice, and FileStorm and FileStorm Pro. So tell me the difference and why one would use one and another. Uh, Vice or Vice 10 is the higher end product. Uh, it has more capabilities for creating a more complex type of install. So if your application is more complex, it doesn't fit nice and neatly just in the applications folder. You've got plugins or things that go elsewhere. That's what Vice is more catered to. FileStorm is uh, a little bit scaled down. Uh, it's a real straightforward, here's my files, here's where they need to go type of thing. Uh, and, it, and it gives you the drag and drop capability if it's a real simple install. Do, they inc do you include tools for updates as well, so if they already have it? Yes, we do have built-in capabilities to check for updates, download those files, hunt out the existing version on the machine and update it. Right. Great. So if uh, people want to find out about it, where do they go and tell us what they cost? Just go to mindvision.com. Uh, we currently have a, a sale going on where you can buy anything from the website at 50% off. Uh, typically, a Vice license will run you $650, so it would be $325. Uh, Filestorm's a little bit cheaper. It's $80, so it'll be $40 till the end of February. Great. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. Okay, it's Owen again. We're at Dr. Bot in the Kensington is in their booth here. And we're talking to Jim Murakami. That's right. I got it right this time, okay? <laughs> Take four. <laughs> and uh, he's going to show us, he's going to talk to us about a new product here from Kensington. Yeah, thanks, Owen. So what's really exciting about this product, I'm holding in my hand PowerLift. PowerLift is a 1,200 milliamp hour capacity battery pack, and it's really designed for backup battery power as well as portable docking solution, which is ideal, for example, for uh, applications like FaceTime. And there are, the product comes with an integrated USB cable, which is really nice, kind of speaking to that portability, not another cable to carry. It does sync as well, right? It absolutely charges and syncs. In addition to that, it also has an LED indicator with a four-light indicator, What's exciting about this product are the three detent positions of the power lift. First of all, it's in the storage position, right? It's nice and flat and square, and about a, about it looks like about a little less than an inch high, and yep. and maybe what about about two by two? Exactly. Uh, and then in addition to the portability and stow uh, stowability, you have this inline uh, detent position, which is ideal if, for example, if you have a conference call in five minutes, you have no power. You plug this into the phone, you've got juice. So what he's showing is this little square, and now the connector's sticking straight ahead. So you would attach it to the bottom of your phone, and it would power like, like most. Like I think you have other batteries that do that. If I remember correctly, that one does it like that. right? There's another battery with their little dock that does that. So it sits directly underneath the phone. Okay, great. Yeah, and the third position, and you, you kind of alluded to it, across the entire battery lineup, you really have this idea of power and portable docking. Um, the third uh, detent position is the portable docking position, and with the help of the docking arm, it holds the phone at a 65-degree angle, which is, again, not only ideal for viewing, but also in terms of the design, it's got an A-frame design, which is ideal for touching and interacting with the device. It's actually quite uh, lightweight. It's nice. So what does this device cost? Uh, $49.99. And so tell me where they go to see it. 
Uh, it will be available at the Apple stores uh, as well as Kensington.com online. So www.kensington.com. Great. All right, Jim, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, Owen. So I'm standing now in the HP booth, one of the largest booths here at the Macworld. I'm standing with Rick Spillers of HP. <clears throat> you guys have some cool new stuff around printing. Um, and I see something called ePrint, where I can email to a printer. Tell me what that means. Oh, this is a great solution that HP introduced last fall 2010. We have a whole range of printers that are ePrint enabled, which allows the user, if you can email it, you can print it from anywhere to, uh, to our HP ePrint enabled printers. So how does the printer know to receive an email? It's a really nice solution in the sense once you get the printer in your home or your work environment, you set up the printer, add it to your wireless network, then you have the option to register with HP. Once you do that, the printer actually prints out a test page that has a unique email address just for that printer. You can add that email address to your contact list, share that email address, and then if you can email it from an iPhone, from an iPad, from an Android, from a BlackBerry, Mac, or PC, anything you can email from, you can email a print job to the printer. The printer will print out the attachments, JPEGs, PDFs, documents. So, th so this almost sounds like it could replace fax as well. So I could tell someone my printer's email address, they could email me a print? That's a great analogy. It is kind of just like faxing, only now for this new decade, it's emailing instead of faxing. I think that's fantastic. It's really amazing. Now, you have a second thing called AirPrint, and I believe this, that the new uh, 4.2 iOS devices support something called AirPrint? Yeah, that's exactly right, Owen. So what we have now in conjunction with ePrint is AirPrint compatibility. This is a, a special thing we, we work closely with Apple on it with, and our... our range of ePrint enabled printers also support AirPrint. And what AirPrint is, when iOS 4.2 released from Apple in November 22nd, that included AirPrint functionality. And our, our ePrint enabled printers, what that means is if you have an iPad or an iPhone running iOS 4.2, now you have a print button from Safari, from, from Photos, from Mail, and, and other various third-party applications. The main criteria here is you have your printer, and your iPad on the same Wi-Fi network. It's just going to show up using Bonjour for Discovery, and you can just print directly from your iPad. Yeah, there, was a, there was an application you had, I think, last year or maybe the year before for doing photos directly to HP prints. So this sounds like it's an extension of that, that technology to printing in more applications. Y yeah, Owen, it's kind of different in the sense that AirPrint is actually... The drivers, if you will, they, everything is embedded in the OS as opposed to an application. So you're actually directly from iOS 4.2, you can print. It's not an app that you have to, the user has to download. There's no software required. It's actually built into the iOS, the, the AirPrint functionality. Talk to the HP printers. And HP um, is the exclusive AirPrint vendor. I mean, no, HP is the only printer vendor that, that includes AirPrint support and functionality in our printers. Do I have to have a new printer that says AirPrint, or will any of uh, the Bonjour printers that supported Bonjour in the past work? Uh, that's a great question, Owen. So in fall 2010, HP introduced this line of ePrint and AirPrint-enabled printers. But if you have an older printer previous to fall 2010, then we have a great mobile app called HP iPrint Photo that's available as a free download from the iTunes Store. And it's kind of similar in the sense that 
you can use it with a two or three or 400 HP inkjet printers going back three or four years over your Wi-Fi network. Just download iPrint Photo free from iTunes Store, and it'll talk to your older HP inkjet printer over the Wi-Fi network, and you print directly to it. That's great. So I, I see a lot of printers on the, I mean, lots of printers on the counter here, and I assume everyone here somehow works with the, with the Mac. So how many printers do you think roughly are now ePrint, AirPrint ready? So fall 2010, we released about um, 15-odd printers in three categories, actually, PhotoSmart, OfficeJet, and LaserJets that support ePrint and AirPrint because Mac users and iPad users are not just in the consumer space anymore, in the SMB, enterprise, hospitals, schools, you name it. So we have um, three mid-range LaserJet printers that support ePrint and AirPrint. We have five different office jet printers from mid to high-end office jet printers that are great in home office space or hotel space or enterprise space that also support ePrint and AirPrint. So what's what's the starting range in a price? And, and I, we won't go to the high-end because we know that there's printers go forever in price with options, but where can a user who says, I have a small office or a home and I want to get into a print, where do they start? What kind of price range? So we have a great story here as well. So we have printers from $99 to $500 that support ePrint and AirPrint, both. Great, Rick. We appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, where can people go if they want to get more information, just the standard HP uh, website? Where they want to go to is, is uh, www.hp.com forward slash go forward slash Mac. And they'll get a whole list of our printers. And we also have a direct link there to our AirPrint site as well. hp.com slash go slash AirPrint. We'll also get you a lot of information. All right, Rick. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, Tim again. So that was the segments Owen Rubin and myself recorded today, day two of the Macworld Expo. Hope you enjoyed it. Really great stuff that we were looking at. I, I gotta say, we went through the Dr. Bot booth today, and we did something with Kensington, and they are being distributed by Dr. Bot, so they're in that Dr. Bot umbrella or tree or however you want to say it. Um, but we didn't really talk to a lot of the other Dr. Bot stuff, but Owen and I actually walked around had a press tour of the Dr. Bot booth. There's some really, really cool stuff coming out from the companies that Dr. Bot is distributing products for. Um, I don't have my notes in front of me. There was one little dongo that you put on your iPhone, and it's like 35 bucks. I couldn't believe it. 35 bucks, and it, it turns your iPhone and iPod Touch into a universal remote control. You could download the different codes and stuff from your different remotes, and program your iPhone, you, you drag and drop buttons and tell them what to do. You can have one button that will, like, turn on your stereo, turn on your TV, turn on your cable box, and go to Channel 4. Automatically, one button. Really, really great software. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, a lot of cool stuff all over the showroom floor. One, Here's one thing uh, before we wrap up that I saw today that is a little disappointing to me, quite honest. Back in the day of the, the Macworld Expo when Apple was involved and you'd have completely the North and South Hall completely full of vendors. And, the, and this also happened at CES. A lot of the trade shows in the 80s and 90s and a little bit in the 2000s. You'd have this thing called Booth Babes. And it was scantily clad women at the booths trying to draw in the guys to come to the booth to look at the product. And I always found the practice a little distasteful. Now, maybe it's because I'm a father of three girls myself, but I was kind of glad a couple of years ago when I noticed that the, the whole booth babe thing went away. 
I really was. Because it, it was just cheap and easy and predictable. And I wanted to focus on the products. And the booth babes were just, it was just tacky. It really is. And it's nothing against the ladies that work at these. They're, a lot of them are professional models and stuff like that. And it's they're there to make money, um, to draw you into the booth so the vendor can sell products or get you interested in the products. I understand the practice. I always just found it a little distasteful. I really did. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that practice is back this year. Specifically, Matt Keeper. Now, we did a segment with them here in this, in this episode of the podcast, but they had booth babes. And I, I talked to a couple people on the showroom floor, and almost every single person I talked to said, yeah, I, I, I wish that we didn't have the booth babes back. It's just, it's just tacky. And it really, this is a tech industry show. And I don't know, the whole, the whole concept of the booth babes really kind of bothers me. Um, I am curious what you guys think. Does that bother you? Have you been to a, an expo of this nature and saw the booth babes? I'm sure you've seen the pictures online um, from many years now from expos where you see the booth babes, scantily clad women, hawking the wares of the vendors. It's just, I just don't like it. And I was pleased to see it go away, and I'm equally displeased to see it kind of back now. So, I don't, yeah, it's just, it's really, really odd. Uh, I tell you what else is odd. I'm, I'm watching CNN here in my hotel room, and boy, it seems like uh, Egypt is, is just going crazy. Now, I know for a fact that we do have some MyMac listeners and tech fan listeners in Egypt. I've been contacted by people in the past from Egypt that they were fans of the show. They come to the MyMac website. Um, so they're listeners and readers and fellow Mac users. And with, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the politics of what's going on, uh, but I do want to say I see a lot of people, um, from what I can see, you know, getting hurt and dying and I really hope that the listeners of my Mac podcast and Tech Fan Podcast and our Mac using friends over there uh, are keeping themselves and their families safe. And uh, my thoughts go out to you guys. I really, really do hope you guys are, are safe. If um, if you're in Egypt and you want to send in, you know, a, a Mac user's perspective on what's going on in Egypt, I'd be happy to to uh, play that audio feedback on TechFan. Um, but please, I, I, I hope you're being safe. Uh, I, I hope that uh, nobody you know or love are hurt or killed in, in what's going on in Egypt right now. So um, I know this is a tech podcast. Uh, it's all about Macworld and all about the new and the fresh. But uh, this is serious stuff, and I've got people that... I've communicated with in the past uh, that um, were really nice people, you know, very, always polite, always complimentary. I've had people ask me questions and I was happy to help. Uh, Mac, the Mac universe to me isn't about America or um, Apple computer or it's, it's worldwide. It's a culture uh, unto itself, the Mac users out there. 
And when I see stuff like this on television, in a place where I've talked to people, um, my heart always goes out to it. So, you know, take a minute if you're, you know, not from the area and educate yourself a little. I'm going to when the Macworlds Expo is over and I have more time to devote to it. Uh, learn about what's going on and uh, remember there's Mac users out there too that they'd probably much rather be enjoying this show right now than what's happening in their lives. So uh, the real world injecting, I suppose you would say. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. I know it's on a bummer note, and uh, I, for that I apologize. But again, it's it's the real world, and uh, I think you have to acknowledge that, don't you? I think you do. So thanks again for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. It's been a while since, well, neither Gaz nor Guy is doing the MyMac.com podcast. It's it's me. I don't do the MyMac podcast anymore. I do the Tech Fan podcast. But like I said, we, we promised that we were going to have a show out today. Hopefully the website will be back up. I can get it posted, um, and it won't be tomorrow morning by the time I get this posted. Hopefully it will still be tonight. And um, hope you guys are enjoying the our coverage of the Macworld Expo. Love to have feedback from you guys. It's feedback at MyMac.com. I'll pass it on to Guy and Gaz. And uh, thanks. We'll see you tomorrow. By the way, Saturday, noon Pacific time. I don't know how I'm going to wake up in time to do this. Basically, it's about 12 hours from now. Uh, Guy Searle and myself are going to be doing a live MyMac slash TechFan podcast from the Macworld Live booth. You can watch it in your browser as it happens, noon Pacific time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern time at macworld.com. Go check that out. Uh, Guy and I have some cool topics to discuss. It's not a news and opinion type of podcast. We're going to get the audience involved, if there's an audience, who knows. And uh, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out. Hopefully somebody will, I don't know, capture the audio stream or the uh, video stream. I would I would love to see how just absolutely horrible I look on video with the big bags under my eyes. It's it's going to be just fabulous, trust me. So make sure you check that out. Really appreciate it. And make sure you check out MyMac.com for continuing coverage tomorrow, the last day, the Macworld Expo 2011. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com or call our Skype number and leave a message. The phone number is 703 436 9501. If you enjoyed the MyMac.com podcast, make sure you check out the other family of podcasts, all from MyMac.com and all free on iTunes, including The Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute with Sam Levin, and Tech Fan with Tim Robertson. <laughs>